Hello, Patreons. Welcome back for another exciting segment of the Facts of Geek Life. I am the titular Charlie Carden, joined as always by a guest, a very special guest in this case. That would be Missy Merchant, uh, one of our top number one super duper supporters, not only on the Patreon level, but also someone who has made our interview program, The Personnel Files, possible. Missy, how are you on this fine nondescript afternoon since we record these in advance? Uh, it is gorgeous because I'm here with you, Charlie. Oh, my God. Does she know how to kiss ass unnecessarily? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, today we're going to be talking about we're going to be embarking on kind of a multi-pronged uh, new show, which is a favorite of mine. I've talked about this uh, over on our main show at Secret Frenzy Night many, many, many times. That would be the 1988 through 1993 uh, program from the NBC network called Quantum Leap uh, that was produced by Donald P. Belisario, who's gone on to ridiculous success with all those NCIS shows. I've got my, my mother, who, by the way, is like basically paid for this dude's house because she's the biggest fan <laughs> of NCIS, um, gets us a, 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 a print subscription to TV Guide, which I can't believe it still exists, but it now comes in a magazine format. And we got it when we had it when we got back from the cruise. It says NCIS hitting its 450th episode. I'm like, what are they? How, what, what kind of story are they still telling? We've got another dead Marine down by the blah, 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 this and that and whatever. <laughs> and it spun off into like 52 different things. So anyway, this guy makes a lot of bread. But anyway, that show came out in March of 1989 and ended in May of 1993. It's uh, the series starred Scott Bakula, Captain Archer himself, later on, uh, of Star Trek fame. Um, but this was really, unless I'm very much mistaken, kind of the first big, really much of anything he was in. Are you at all familiar with his career before this? I Nothing I can think of. Nothing I can think of either. Gotcha. Uh, but anyway, he starred as uh, Dr. Sam Beckett, a physicist who involuntarily leaps through space-time during an experiment of uh, space travel, temporarily taking the place of other people to correct what he consistently discovers were historical mistakes. He's joined on this journey by Dean Stockwell, the late Dean Stockwell, passed away in, in uh, uh, 2021. Um, as Admiral Al Calavici, his womanizing cigar smoking companion and best friend who appears as a hologram and researches and shapes his opinions of the past. Of course, Dean Stockwell also went on to uh, be one of the uh, humanoid Cylons in Ron D. Moore's Battlestar Galactica and joined uh, Scott Bakula uh, for a season one episode of Enterprise as a nasty alien, as I recall. Um, so we're going to hop into talking about the first five episodes of season one. Uh, it's kind of a cheat because episodes one and two are the pilots. So we're talking about the first four episodes of the season. Um and I will kick us off. I don't know if you have my notes open, but I'll, re I'll read the summaries just to kind of make life a little bit easier. And then Perfect. we can kind of give our thoughts. I've seen these as opposed to previous episodes of this show, like uh, the, the Buck Rogers that I did with my friend Jonathan Snedeker and Todd Oxtra, um, where I had never seen it before. So my notes were really like pages long. But with this, I'm like, yeah, I've seen this a million times. I know. So I'll just point out something all five episodes on like half a page so yeah ex exactly <laughs> correct and i'm sure you're very nicely handwritten notes right because you're you're professional you know no they're all typed up 
<laughs> Very smart. Okay. Well, episodes one and two are called, the series pilot are called Genesis, uh, written by David Hemmings and directed by Donald Belisario. Uh, oh, I like these notes here. It does tell us who uh, who he portrays. In the first segment, um, Sam is portraying Tom Stratton, an Air Force test pilot in September of 1956 in California. In the second segment, he's playing uh, a uh, minor league baseball player called Tim Fox uh, in the summer of 1968 in Waco, Texas. And again, this aired in March of 1989. So we already know the basics. Sam Beckett uh, is trying to prove his time travel theory. And as his project is running out of funds, he just decides to jump in the machine he built. And it works. Ends so, up. Uh, so to to clarify right there. Please. Yes. That is voluntary on the first jump. The others after that are involuntary. But he actually put himself in the scenario. Yeah, you really. It, it kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to feel sorry for him when he's the he's kind of the 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 maker of his own demise. Um but, you know, he, he has a pretty great attitude about it. I mean, he just, well, you know, eventually he just says, well, this is what I'm doing. You know, Al, what am I doing here? Blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, you're right. It's not like he was, you know, thrust into this situation against his own will. So very good point. Um, psychologically speaking, I'm sure you could, you know, speak to that in a little bit more in depth. And you're more than welcome to jump in as as it uh as it occurs to you. So anyway, he's, uh, he's in the body of Tom Stratton, who's an air force pilot in rural California by Edwards air force base. And he's there at the time where they're, uh, test piloting the experimental X two aircraft trying to break Mach six. I think it is, or they're trying to achieve a Mach new three. Mach three. Thank you. So they're trying to achieve a, a bigger, uh, a bigger, bigger, better, um, breakthrough in uh speed um so sam finds out through and of course he's kind of fumbling his way through not remembering anything about history but then also not knowing what he's doing there uh sam or you know when al appears and then he figures out who al is and they kind of talk through all that initial awkwardness and this takes us I think one and a half of the two of the two episodes is, is this part of the story. And then the end part of the story is the baseball player bit. Um, but he, uh, yeah. Uh, so Tom has a wife is Peggy played by Jennifer Runyon, who I love. She was, she was the stand in, I think Cindy Brady in one of the Brady bunch TV movies. Uh, and then she was in Charles in charge briefly. That's what I, that's what I remember about her career. Probably a couple other things, but anyway, she was very recognizable to me. Um, in the original history, um, the uh, yeah, Lieutenant Stratton was killed in the X2, and then his wife gave uh, gave birth to their baby prematurely and lost it. Uh, and in this, thanks to the help of uh, obviously the folks back at Quantum Leap, through Al, he's able, and Al is of course a, a an ex astronaut, which is I feel like something they never touch upon again. We know that Al is a highly decorated uh, Navy SEAL. He was a Vietnam vet, but him being an astronaut seems to never come up again. But anyway, he was a pilot, um, so he's able to help. Al, or a Sam fly the plane and then because Sam's a super genius with 50 different degrees he knows how to only um six. yeah only six okay all right I guess I guess I was embellishing a little bit you nailed me there <laughs> um but he's able to uh correctly figure out how to stop Peg's labor so she doesn't give premature birth to the baby and then he leaps out so let's tackle this by talking about part one and part two separately so um thoughts on part one anything else that really jumped out to you pun intended pun intended Le <laughs> leapt into you leapt in and out of you um i i did like how you eventually start to like get more and more pieces the more that sam does Frankly, right 
if you go back and were to watch it for what it was as a pilot episode, it would have definitely caught my attention. You know, I don't right. know where the season was going to go and what the hell this kind of thing was going to be about. Um, I could equally see it being disastrous and he could very easily go the other way and rewrite history for the wrong things. Like, yeah, he forgot that he doesn't know how to fly. The entire plane crashed. Everybody died. Cool. Yeah, right. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it could have taken a darker turn or you know yeah he goes back and oh well maybe i'm supposed to kill hitler even though he leaves within his own lifetime he was born in 1953 so he never goes back that far even though i will remark and and as we continue to go through and talk about this series there were a couple of different occasions through a quirk he ends up uh jumping into one of his ancestors in the civil war which i thought was was super cool but it was someone he was related to so that was the that was the plot armor they employed to pull that off so right. um I had some some kind of some kind of early notes. Um, the series opens, you know, with desert at nighttime, and Al's driving along, and and again the future sequences. This I believe are supposed to be about 1999, so it's about 10 years forward of when the show aired. Are so hardcore. Back to the Future 2 with their portrayal of 2015. I can't believe his car's not flying. I mean, it's bad because they he picks up uh he picks up a girl whose car is broke down. She's got earrings that have and, little dancing patterns. And, and stilettos that match. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's wearing a badge that also twinkles in the same way. And he's got phone controls in on the steering wheel which is a thing we have now but they're all ridiculous because they're all neon and something or other. So it just <laughs> really made my teeth hurt the other thing i loved in those opening five minutes is when sam is leaping he's wearing a beautiful white unitard but <laughs> slash from guns and roses is just off camera going <laughs> just absolutely crushing it with the guitar riff i love that shit i thought i thought that that was absolutely awesome and again in that that first act Everything that Sam was doing when he was, you know, with Tom Stratton's wife, he wakes up and he's like, I don't know what, I don't know how to take a shower. I don't know. How, and she's just like, oh, Tom, you're so silly. Stop playing your gags on me. I'm like, I'm like, no, he's mental. You probably ought to call somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but it was, it's what you would expect out of the kind of the, the pilot out of, you know, any show that they're, they're going to kind of fumble their way through the beats that just become even by within the context of these later episodes become very standard that you're like, okay, well, Sam jumps in and he's like, Hey, what am I supposed to do? And I don't really remember anything about 1962. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And it, it be, it becomes, uh, you know, even during the premature lady, uh, the labor that happens later, Peg's like, Oh, Tom, blah, 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 this and that. I'm like, haven't you just figured out that he's, something's not wrong with him. Um, yeah, those, those were, those were kind of, Mind. Oh, I found out that Edwards Air Force Base is very close to Mojave, California, which is the future home of Captain Christopher Pike. If it was any closer to Vegas when we go there, I would just totally drive out to the middle of the desert and say, why isn't there a statue of Anson Mount in your town? You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say for the psychology of episode one, you see, you know, in the opening sequence is Sam's in... You know, getting ready to leap for the first time, he's got this like pure joy exuberance on his face to then go immediately into Tom's body with like a realization of what the fuck did I actually do? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and guess what? Nobody knows how to unfuck this yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I guess I better play it cool. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Editor's note, he did not play it cool. 
<laughs> it was not cool. It was not. It was not a good situation. Um, so, all right. So we move forward. Any other thoughts on the whole Tom Stratton thing before we move into the stupid ball player guy? No, I have lots of notes on the stupid ball player. Guy. Oh, good because I I have almost none. the The one that really gets me is that anybody who's been listening to me for a long time knows that father son stuff like super chokes me up. So, in the course of being the ball player guy, Sam is able to kind of ferret out of Al um, his name, like his, his last name or his first name or both, and then he remembers. Yeah, he remembers his childhood phone number in Elk Ridge, Indiana, which is hilarious because, Missy, you were just in Elkhart, Indiana, for our club working a show just last weekend. Uh, or was that was that two weekends ago? I'm losing track no, of time. I feel like, Oh, my God. It was last weekend. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Which is irrelevant because this show is topical and you don't know when we're recording it or when we're going to publish it. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. But anyway, yeah, he's talking on the phone. Um, to an older man who is his dad. Now, later in the series, when Sam actually leaps into himself at age 16, um, Scott Bakula plays a dual role where they 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 plaster some old age makeup on, and he's his dad as well. But um, And then it, as the phone call ends, a young boy comes in who has Scott Bakula's voice, who's Scott Bakula's a young boy. So. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, this father-son stuff, like I'm very close with my dad, which I'm I'm very glad because – I'm not very close with my kids. I, I have two sons. They're 17 and, and 23, and we're not close, unfortunately. So that kind of stuff is always a, a real gut punch to me because I, I see both sides of it. So yeah, that was a, I'm not crying, you're crying kind of moment for me. It just kind of wells me up. So I will leave it at that. But yeah, what are your what are your deep and powerful thoughts about ball player dum dum in Texas here? Uh, well, I appreciate the like father son dynamic of it. I could not for one second wrap my head around the little 16 year old projecting Scott Bakula's very masculine (laughs) voice. How'd you pull that off? Yeah. They didn't like, they didn't Mickey Mouse it or whatever. Yeah. It was ridiculous. She's like, dad, do they know how to milk cows? Yeah. Oh, hey, (laughs) hey dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was, I mean, I could understand like the dynamic there. It was sweet. It was cool. Wasn't a tearjerker for me, but I don't have that dynamic. Yeah. Um, I, I get where the feeling that they had an episode and a half worth for the first two. And then they figured out we have to fill something with this. It's one of the rare ones you have like a two character jump in one episode. Right. And it really feels like this. If you took this segment out of it, out of the timeline, other than like he got to talk to his dad and figure his last name, which could have happened in any other leap. That it really right. was pointless to even have it. Super pointless. He didn't accomplish anything. Oh, you need to hit this last home run so that the Waco Bombers or whatever can nobody gives a shit. Come on, give me a break. You didn't you didn't you didn't change anybody's life for the better. Well, this guy, then now you're gonna change his life for the better. N- nobody cares. Nobody yeah, was, cares. What was your last game either way? Come on. Yeah. You 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 already suck. You're just gonna suck a little bit less. I will say, I had to make a note of this. I had to watch it and play it back like three times. The absolute worst fucking baseball slide ever coming into home plate. I played baseball for over 20 years. So that was so <laughs> offensive to me on a core level. It, looked, it, it looked offended like me someone, as an athlete. <laughs> it, it looked like someone's grandma tripped going up the stairs and was like, oh, yep, no, he made it to home. Good luck, Granny. <laughs> Wham! Exactly. Oh, man. If I if I named these episodes the way I do our normal ones, Good Luck Granny would be the name of this episode. So you get it. You get a uh, you get a, 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 a honorable, uh, honorable mention. That's the word I was looking for. Honorable mention of Good Luck Granny. Oh, <laughs> all right. Any any other thoughts before we move on to episode episode three, not episode two? 
No, that was fine. I had to wash my mouth of that terrible slide. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was rough. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, episode three is called Star Crossed, uh, written by uh, Mark Sobel and directed by Deborah Pratt, who is actually the wife of Donald Belisario and mother to uh, Troyan Belisario, who is an actress that's appeared in a lot of CW stuff. I think she's in Pretty Little Liars and she's in some other shows that are that are big right now. But I know that she also, Deborah Pratt, comes back, unless I'm misremembering, uh, comes back uh, as an actress at some point in the show. Might have to double check my own math on that one, but there's, there's some kind of connection there. Um, we get Sam leaping into a character called Gerald Bryant on June 15th. Of 1972, in I say this very jokingly because on a, an Australian podcast I love called Do Go On, whenever they're reading their fan mail, they refer to Ohio as God's country, which is disgusting to any of us in Michigan. But this takes place in Marion, Ohio. Uh, March 31, 1989 was the air date, air date. And again, Sam is Gerald Bryan, a lecherous old professor at a private university in not God's country, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> Sam's mission is to stop a young co-ed, Jamie Lee, uh, from ruining her life by entering an ill-advised marriage with Sam's host. But along the way, Sam tries to change his own history. It's the first time that this is happening. And they jump into it right away. Uh, they jump into it, but then they went, you know, they kind of do the, the Quantum Leapers prime directive thing, which is really pivotal and also comes back to bite Al in the ass later on in the series, as you'll see. Sam tries to change his own history by reuniting student Donna Elise, a very young and very supple Terry Hatcher. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who will? Uh, this, was, this was right around the same time she had a very bit part in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation in season two. She played a transporter chief who was seduced by... Uh, Okana, who we now see in not only Lower Decks, but also in Star Trek Prodigy in animated form as a, as, as a lecherous old man with one eye. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. For men in her life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, uh, uh, Donna Elise is a, uh, will be a fellow PhD quantum physicist. And when she leaves him at the altar when they are 30 with her, uh, with her father before he ships out for Vietnam. Uh, note, note here in Wikipedia says note something Sam did in his leaf resulted in Donna at least not jilting him at, at the altar, although he only remembers their marriage when he briefly leaps back to her at Project Quantum Leap in season four is the leap back, which is a great episode. Oh, lot going on in this, and I got another, I got another friggin' I'm not crying, you're crying moment at the end, but um. So these early episodes, I thought this was funny. Sam had he did a personalized recap, uh, telling you kind of the the synopsis of the series in the beginning. Uh, he called himself a time traveling Lone Ranger with Al as my Tonto, which is super racist in this day and age. But back in the time, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean. Yeah, Sam's character is a skeevy English lit professor, but Jamie Lee's pretty hot. So the man in me says, Jamie Lee's pretty hot, but he's still gross. Um, but this was a great episode. Like I said, right from the start, they're jumping into some heady, crazy character development. So Sam's long lost love. He found her in time. I wrote it's Terry Hatcher, Terry Hatcher, oh mama. I already said that. Um <laughs> Jamie Lee's Jack Douchebag Boyfriend uh, was in JAG, which is another Donald Bill Serio series, which I loved. And it kills me that the morons at Paramount Plus don't have that. Sorry, I know. Now we're not going to get that endorsement. I'm so pissed. Uh, they don't have that entire series available. They have There were 10 seasons of that, and it was about Navy lawyers. And it was it starred David James Elliott, who I always thought was an, a Canadian, who I always thought was a great actor. And the unbelievable Catherine Bell. Oh, my God. But they have like bits and pieces of the different seasons in there, which just makes me insane because it was a CBS show. 
But anyway, the guy who played the douche boyfriend was um, Michael, Michael McGrady. I have notes on. Yes, him. yes. What's that? It's Michael McGrady. What now? Uh, I have notes on him just because uh, for me, a hocus pocus tie-in times two. So oh, he's Michael a hocus McGrady, pocus guy. Oh, okay. He was in Hocus Pocus. I just met him in January down in Orlando. He was the motorcycle cop in Hocus Pocus. Oh, there! Yes, and he was. Yeah, it was. was. It was. He was Harm's uh, uh, college roommate at uh, the Naval Academy, uh, and a fellow pilot who's Keeter was. He went by Keeter. Uh, was was his his flyer name? So, oh, I wrote Jamie Lee looks a lot like my ex wife, my first ex wife, but not in a good way. <laughs> um. Well, then, you since you cut me off, my second Hocus Pocus for this series is uh, Donald Belisario is actually another JAG and NCIS actor, Sean Murray. It's his stepdad. Oh, I did know that. going on there. Not, not that I'll say that. But, well, uh, but, yes. And, and then NCIS, also the Hocus yeah. Pocus tie-in again, so... Yes, indeed. Oh, it all co-mingles. I love it. So, yeah, Sam is a leaper, helps Donna invent Quantum Leap. You know, of course he does. That that totally makes sense. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I love that they take an all-night trip to Washington, D.C. because, again, um, Donna's father is – he's a, he's a Colonel Wojohowicz. He's a, he's an Army colonel who's shipping out to Vietnam. Um they played a great song by the by the dramatics on the radio, Betcha by Golly Wow, which I immediately made sure I had on my music because I'm like, I haven't heard that one in a long time. I love that kind of stuff. But yeah, the reunion between, because the deal with Donna and her father is he had walked out on the family when she was 10 years old and it just kind of fractured her psyche, which totally makes sense. And then they have a tearful reunion. You know, she knocks on his door and they have a hug and I'm like, remember, because again, you know, my parents split up when I was young, yada, yada, yada. I had a tough relationship with my dad until I was you know in my late teens early 20s and so that that kind of stuff always really touches me so um but uh yeah they make watergate happen because yeah the <laughs> colonel wojohowitz is staying in the watergate hotel before he ships out to vietnam they try to go there and get in but they can't get in so they have to sneak in and this tips off the security guards who then find out they find a taped over door and then they kicks off watergate so way to go for getting rid of Nixon. Thanks, Sam. We appreciate it. The whole country thanks you. The whole country thanks you for all time. So anyway, awesome episode. And again, a couple of really strong stories to kick off a series, less the the baseball thing, which was just like, yeah, you know, I mean, come on. You know, yeah. Well, could yeah, could they have, you know, do you think they could have crammed like the first, you know, the first story of the first episode into a single episode and this just could have been episode two? I think they could find a way to make it happen. That, or I think they could have expanded the second half of Genesis 2, you know, like what happened after the birth and how did that impact the medical side of things now that they have this new discovery to stop labor. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, the second segment of that was maybe 10 or 15 minutes. You know, it's just like, oh, God, we're running short. Let's throw in something else. Uh, So anyway, all right. So any – no, go ahead, please. Uh, I was going to say, before we jump – Pun intended to the next one. Womp womp. Uh, if you want to talk about an episode with daddy issues, what I thought throughout this is especially the few times you get a glance of uh, Dr. Brian's actual face. I, oh, I said, so gross. I, I coded it as what a mug. <laughs> yeah. It's a what mug that not, not even a mother could love. <laughs> I mean, not even Scott Bakula could love. So, Ouch. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Uh, even he said it would be an improvement if he messed up my face. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's not good. Uh, yeah, when Oscar's like, I'm gonna, be- I'm gonna beat your face. He's like, Well, it couldn't hurt. Um, right. But <laughs> what kind of daddy issues did Jamie Lee have going on? Oh God! That and was like, This is the man I'm going to marry. This is that- the one I'm going. to pledge my life to as I said when it reminded me of of my first ex wife. Her name is Alicia. 
It's pretty much the same thing. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm a few years older than, than she was when we got together. She lied to me about her age. So and I should have really known from the beginning that she was not really on the level. But anyway, not to digress too much about me. But yeah, talk about a woman with daddy issues. The parallels are kind of scary. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) all right, (laughs) lest we digress, moving on to episode four uh, is the right hand of God directed by Gilbert uh, or written by Gilbert Shilton, directed by John Hill. Sam is Clarence Kid Cody in October in October of 1974 in lovely Sacramento, the capital of California Uh, from April of 1989. uh, Sam is a crooked boxer who must win the championship in order to win the money that his new manager's nuns, sister Angela and sister Sarah, uh, who received his contract from a deceased parishioner. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> need to build a new, tra- need, build a new chapel. Uh, it's Sam must have church. Don't ask questions. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm a Catholic myself, so I try not to, uh, <laughs> Sam must achieve this while saving his host from the retribution of Jake Edwards, uh, guy Stockwell, the gangster, uh, paying him to cheat and also keeping the promise to his host girlfriend, Dixie, who is a comely stripper uh, for a better future for them. And again, you know, I'm sorry if I'm being very manly in this. It was just, what can I say? There's just, a, there's, there's a lot of sexiness in these f- first few episodes <laughs> of Quantum Blade. So hopefully I'm not upsetting anybody. Feel free to at me on Twitter at the C3 if I'm being obnoxious. I will happily take your feedback. Um <laughs> All right, kicking off, we still have that personalized narration, and I could totally see why that drops off in time because it adds like another like minute or 90 seconds to the show. And you know what? You got to sell those commercials. You know, the show's not paying for itself. So you can kind of see it. Season four would be like a five-minute interlude. Exactly. And then this happened, and then blah, 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 this thing and that thing or whatever. Um, So yeah, so uh, Sam is kind of a Hammenegger boxer like Rocky. And he's nowhere near as handsome or ugly as Stallone is, I think, in that role. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's a dirty boxer who's on the line to some nuns to build a chapel. No pressure. I mean, it's it's all it's all gonna pay off. I love that you know naturally because it's the '70s, you can wear pants that could uh, double as a like a checkered tablecloth in an Italian restaurant. I thought that that was a slam dunk. Oh, and Sam's girlfriend. Oh, I've already touched. I'm not gonna get myself in any more trouble there. So, um, and my last big note is that as as Sam is having his training montage to get ready for the big fight, they have a very fake faked out version of the Rocky theme. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? This is a, this is that meme of Bart Simpson taking the cake that says you tried and throwing it in the trash. You tried. <laughs> <laughs> is that the episode title? You tried. <laughs> you tried. No, no, it's still, it's still uh, good luck. Grandma. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what'd you think? Um, this was not my favorite. I'm not going to lie. True. True. It was was very run of the mill. I agree. I mean, it was run of the mill. Like, is it relatable? It's kind of a trope you see, you know, whatever athlete you could insert, boxer, you know, basketball player, whatever. You know, there's the the mobsters or the bad guys that, you know, we're going to pay you to do it our way. And then there's some other charitable person, organization, some goodness in the world that has (laughs) you right. Goodness. Whatever (laughs) holy above you. Um, so I felt like that was a little overplayed, but also it was a little confusing to be like this huge dramatic lead up to like, you know, in the back of the mobster's car, like, oh, if you don't lose, we're just going to blow your kneecaps out and you'll have your little paddleboard for the rest of your life. Oh, great. Thanks. (laughs) Right. 
too, at the very end, like, oh, my stripper girlfriend just figured out we'll just bet on this and we'll pay everybody. And then mobsters are like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. We're just going to leave, like, literally saying nothing. It's totally fine. Yeah, right. And then they take they take the dude. And it's funny. It was an early role. Roscoe. The guy who was. Yeah, the Roscoe. guy who was the bookie. And I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's one of those, oh, it's that guy. He was most recently in The White Lotus uh, as the husband of Jennifer Coolidge's character. Um, but he's been in just like friggin' everything. And I just, John Grise is his name. I looked it up. I did look it up while I was watching this because I was curious. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 in my last thought, they, they're playing to win the day in the boxing match. This is a sexy stripper distracts the other boxer by streaking. And that is the 70s personified. People running around naked and 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 boxing uh, boxing and winning a bunch of money or whatever. Good stuff. Oh. Why don't you asked Mr. Sarah to streak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Break bed. the glass you know <laughs> break loose of the patriarchy, break the glass ceiling. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Okay, we're taking it. Uh, we're taking them. Boy, this ended up being a short one just because we had this the four episodes, and and I feel like you and I have seen these so many times that we did we did just didn't have to take a lot of notes. And plus, it's just it's a very easily accessible show. The themes aren't so deep that we got to dig with the show to be like, well, what did this mean? And what did this other thing mean? But uh, we 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 had two great episodes, and then we had two that. I would say didn't exactly blow me away. But anyways, episode five is how the test was won. How clever. Uh, directed by Ivan Dixon, uh, written by Deborah. I'm not even going to try with this name. It starts with an A. Uh, Sam is Doc Young in August of 1956 in Texas. <laughs> mm, Texas. Uh, aired in April of 1989. Uh, Sam is a veterinarian in rural Texas. He and Al must figure out if uh, if he is there to prove that a piglet does not have a disease, which will require a culling of all the pigs. Oh, that one's in, enrapturing. Or <laughs> to win the love of Tess McGill, a hands-on rancher whose father, Chance, Lance Legault, who was a Klingon a couple of different times in TNG, if I'm not mistaken, uh, pushes her to marry a cowboy and inherit his 50,000-acre ranch, Rialto. Uh, Sam saves the pig while helping the marriage reluctant Tess and ranch hand Wayne Marshall Teague, who I absolutely feel like was in Star Trek at some point. Name rings a bell. Uh, realize that they love each other. As it turns out, Sam does not leap until he helps his host's young assistant, Buddy Holly, make a breakthrough in a song he's writing. This is this the end of this was the real eye roll for me. Same oh my god. Like- oh my god. All right. Well, you you know what? I've I've taken the lead with that. You go first. Tell me what you think about this episode. So minus the last, you know, five minutes, the last little arc for what he actually got had to do before he left. I, I actually rated it as out of the first four slash five. It was my favorite. Oh, okay. It, um, it felt like it was a lot more hands-on, a lot more actual learning experience for Sam versus just kind of trying to figure out stuff like skill sets he already had. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. Also, I think it could have went a vastly different difference or a different direction if it was like, yeah, no, we just have to kill all the pigs. Episode yeah. <laughs> and scene. I can leap out now, right? <clears throat> yeah. But I did, I did make multiple notes on this one. Please. One of, one of them was... Why the hell does he never keep his clothes on? Because this is at least the third episode in a row where some article of clothing is removed. It's because it's because he's got those sweet pecs. What are you talking about? 
So of course I had to hark in on, on Kay Quinn for this. I had to oh, share God. with her. So, oh God, yes, it's enterprise. It's 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 what set the table for enterprise. All the all the unnecessary partial nudity we saw in Enterprise, particularly in the early seasons. Yes. Right. So walk in the door of the veterinarian's house and immediately take your pants off and walk around the house with no pants on, holding uh, it's a it's it sounds like a it sounds like a party at the Kennedy compound. <laughs> So, so I was told to input that uh, the unnecessary, even partial nudity of Scott Bakula in these episodes kind of puts him over the top. And as Kate dubbed it, his aggressive mediocrity. <laughs> wow. Ouch. So, yeah, that was her mic drop on it. But uh, yeah, the end of it with the Buddy Holly really irked me because I even went back to fact check. I'm like, nope, he was not that young at that point. He'd already graduated. He'd already been working on a record deal. Fuck that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, we, we get an episode coming up in our next segment where Sam is in California in like the early 60s and he teaches Michael Jackson how to dance. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I The Jackson 5 weren't even traveling as an act until 1968. So it was like, you, you're trying too hard, but in the in, in the modern era of Google, um, you, you just you just can't get away with it. So, yeah, right. exactly. I mean, so, to be fair, they might have gotten away with it back then. It might have been a yeah. scratcher for a lot of people. But with yeah, me, you're like, right. No, you're, you're not, that, that didn't happen. You're not getting out your Encyclopedia Britannica and pulling out uh, H for Buddy Holly and, oh, where is he from? Yes, exactly. So I love uh, that they're in rural Texas and all of the cowpokes have immaculately clean clothes and undistressed leather gear. That's awesome. Except for the vet who ends up face down in the pig pen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they, they uh, immediately before the episode, everybody went to the Western store and got new stuff. Uh, well, thanks. So it too, because like, even after she rides, uh, what is it? Widowmaker? It's like, Oh, she just yeah. rode this wild buck. Nope. Not a single speck of dust. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable. So um, all the on-location steer roping looks like it's farm filmed in the same park in L.A. that is in everything, uh, which, I, which I think is adorable. And I'm sure they filmed all of the stuff like in one of the places in the North Rim and in, in Southern California. I would not be surprised at all. Um, yeah, the uh, what I say, uh, Al's romantic subplot line is super <laughs> annoying in this one. However, his wardrobe is always makes up for it. Because yeah, those the his his clear plastic ties or the different little thingies that are blinking, absolutely mm-hmm. spectacular. But yeah, the piggy suit that the piggy suit killed it for me. That was just oh god, please don't. But what's hilarious is you can tell it's their attempt of like the peak of eighties, if you want to call it fashion, with what they think it would look like in the future. And oh, that's right on all levels. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah and. And of course, in the also in the in the eighties, there was an obsession with the fifties, Back to the Future, and and like the Heavenly Kid, and some different stuff like that. So yeah, reaching back and you know some of those outfits to me just look like Marty's outfit in Back to the Future Three, right before he gets into DeLorean in nineteen fifty five to go back, where he's got the he's got the 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 red pants and the fringe. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't show up. That was that was way ahead of its time, or behind <laughs> it. I don't know, however you want to call it. All right, well let's wrap up. Uh, let's wrap up these four slash five episodes uh, with a favorite and a least favorite, even though you kind of tip the hat. So you kind of jumped ahead in the program, but I will let you resummarize. Give me a favorite and a least favorite and maybe a little bit of a why. So best episode, how the test was won. I like it because it had a lot of new learning experience for Sam. It felt like it was more central to the character development to further the series. And 
you know, take away the Buddy Holly thing, which really pissed me off. Overall, most <laughs> of the episode time, I think, was well worthwhile. Worst gotcha. one, I have to say, Starcrossed, because oh. I, di- uh, I know, I didn't like, I mean, I can't include the half episode for the baseball guy, but I have to say Starcrossed, like, I could not buy into the Jamie Lee, Dr. Bryant love interest. That is just way too much. She needs way too much counseling for my taste. Right, <laughs> right, right. No, I, 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 can't, and, I, I can't hardly argue with that. And um, the little sneak at the Watergate, I was just like that. I mean, yes, it's cool. haha, Watergate. But I'm like, again, it really <laughs> adds nothing. <laughs> adds nothing ha, ha, Watergate. Could, could, be, <laughs> could be a new honorable mention of the title. haha, Watergate. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to flip bro. this. I'm going to have to flip the script. I'm almost totally opposite of you because my favorite was Starcross Lovers because Terry Hatcher uh, and the um, the the emotional reunion with her dad. I thought it was great. Uh, the quest for lost love, something I've dealt with in my own life. I get, um, you know, and it's, ki- and it's kind of just heartless, <laughs> so heartless, you know, and I like in the end that we um, – when we get to the end of it, it ends up obviously it ends up working out for for him because they they do end up together in a future that he doesn't get to enjoy, which also kind of sucks. <laughs> and then my least favorite, I'll, I'll 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 let you have the test was one. I won't jump on that, but that right hand of God with the Rocky bid and the and the nuns and the ham and egg box that's just just dumb. It's just dumb. As much as I appreciate the wardrobe, because I love to riff on anything from the 70s, the decade I was born in, I just don't know what people were thinking about what they were wearing out of the house. It's totally ridiculous. Oh, To be be fair, my worst episode was Starcross slash The Right Hand of God. They could have went either way. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it was a tie. So I would say overall, after the, you know, right out the gate, and again, you and I will come back uh, in a subsequent episode uh, and talk about episodes six through nine, because it was just a nine-episode season, uh, which is why we decided we'll just tackle the whole thing. Why not? And we did it pretty succinctly. We did it in less than 45 minutes, which I think is pretty good. Um, But yeah, we'll be coming back for this. So hopefully you enjoyed. Missy, where do people find you out? Out there in the world of the intranets uh i'm most accessible on instagram at, at mama underscore merch 33 excellent and of course you can find me over on twitter uh at the c3 go ahead and spell it out as i always say my lovely wife uh april and i run the uss grand potaski of which missy is one of our senior officers our ship's counselor we are one of the largest chapters of the international star trek fan club in the world we're based here in west michigan but i'm actually also the regional coordinator for michigan and eastern canada if you're listening to the sound of my voice want to learn more about it please feel free to uh, drop me a line uh, either a, on Twitter or certainly from our website of the same name. Want to thank all of our patrons, including Missy. Missy, you're breaking the fourth wall. You're one of our top tier <laughs> patrons and you're a part of the, the the staff talent. So you are kind of all things, all things that you are. So thank you very much to you uh, and to all of our patrons. So we will be back with the show in the future. I'm going to tell you as always, uh, thanks for joining us. Sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. And as always, may you find hope in the stars.